This Rock Talk podcast recording is an interview and opinion product that is the property of rocksubculture.com, all rights reserved. Rocksubculture.com is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this programme. Welcome to Rock Talk, the official podcast for rocksubculture.com. Each podcast features interviews with special guests to discuss all aspects of popular music. Rocksubculture.com travels the globe to experience, review and archive live concert events. Interview those involved in producing and performing a variety of genres of popular rock music as well as find and learn about related studio and stage-used artifacts and memorabilia. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBoard. Welcome to my podcast, and today's guest is Kevin Preston with Prima Donna. So welcome, Hey, hey. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I know you're going on tour starting a little bit later this month with Adam Ant. And the funny thing is, actually, I was, I was looking at your um, Facebook page and I, because I was looking to see when the first date was, and it's July 17th in San Diego. And I was thinking, is that during Comic Con? Because I go there every year and it's the first night. So I'm actually going to try to, now that I realize that. I'm going to try oh, to make great. that show. So it'd be cool to see the first show that you guys are, are doing in the States here. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I'm kind of actually expecting a lot of Comic-Con people to go. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, I just never put it together. I was planning, because I live up in Northern California, so I was planning to see you like in San Francisco or Napa or something. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see the show a couple times because, you know, I love Adam Ant, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. So um, I think it's going to be a great tour. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he, you know, he changed my life early on, and uh, I never, you know, never thought in a million years we'd be supporting him. So I'm doing my best to keep it together, but uh, really excited <laughs> about it. Well, you know, it's funny because I listen to your music and I can hear what I what I feel are influences, knowing Adam Ant's music and then hearing your music. There's, you know, definitely some parallels with. Um, just kind of stylistically, I mean, not not necessarily that you guys sound like each other, but just little things here and there, like the drumming and, you know, dif- different things like that, that kind of, um, it makes sense to me that you guys are going to be touring with them. That might be the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad, like, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of his influence in there somewhere. You know, I'm glad you were picking up on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, I don't know. I mean, as a band, it seems like you're sort of carrying that rock and roll torch, but more of that timeless kind of rock and roll, not the kind of music where you hear it and you kind of fit it into like a three-year period or something. You know what I mean? Like certain certain songs you hear and you're like, okay, that's 1987, 1988, that kind of thing. But you guys have more of that just pure rock and roll kind of timeless sound, but you have a lot of unique style that kind of makes it you know your own music too so thanks yeah we're trying to trying to keep you know it's it's weird out there there's not a whole (laughs) lot of 
there's not really a giant scene for rock and roll anymore, or at least live rock and roll. Yeah. You know, I think people ha- are happy with their record collections and, you know, it's, I, I get it. It's, it's tough to get out, you know, so often. But, uh, yeah, we're out there doing it. So it's still alive and well. I, I can't stand it when people say there's no more rock and roll because it, it's there. You just, you know, yeah. it's not right in your face all the time. And I, I think, Half the people saying it wouldn't want it that, you know, like I, I couldn't imagine if rock and roll was king again, half the people that are going to the shows now would be really put off by the, you know, mass acceptance. As soon as it happened, everyone would be like, God, I wish it was in small clubs again. I can't stand this. Yeah. I yeah. If that makes any sense. I mean, yeah, well, it seems like music trends sort of cycle around and I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll become a bigger trend again, but now it's things are more like, electronic and and really sort of in some cases kind of overproduced music um you don't get that more raw sound um yeah you know and you guys definitely definitely capture that i mean it sounds like you have precision but it's it's like you're playing real instruments and everything too so you know i think there's always there's always got to be some room for that in uh (laughs) in the music world for sure so what kind of excites you about about music today? Is it is it playing live? Is that um the most rewarding thing or do you like going into the studio and making new music or you know what what kind of motivates you every day to to keep going? Oh, it's definitely playing live. Uh I'm still you know we we've had the pleasure to record with some guys who are you know really good at, at doing that. And, uh, I, but I'm still just, I don't have my studio legs yet, I guess. Like it's, <laughs> you know, for me, I got into it to play live and I still do it to play live and tour. And I'm still really trying to get used to going into the studio. You know, it's, it's, it's two different art forms. I, I, at one time, I think you were a recording artist or you were a, you know, or you were a live performing artist. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, nowadays you got it be both and uh i'm still really yeah I'm, I'm still trying to get around to having a great time in the studio you do a lot of you you know so you hear things a billion times right know? and it's really tough to you write a song and you're super excited about it and it's really hard to get in there and you know you're you're listening to it so many times it's like looking under a you know <laughs> you know, under a magnifying glass. It's it's weird that way. But uh but I will say on the the record we we just did, um or our most recent record Bless This Mess, that was probably the best time I've ever had in the studio. Yeah, I think I think it comes through in the record. I mean it's just kind of this uh positive but rock and roll. Like it's just a real feel good album. Oh cool. Thanks. Yeah, it was it, that was the most fun to make anything we've done so far yeah and i think i read that you guys used like some old mixing boards and some vintage recording equipment is that right yeah actually every time every time we go in we try and we try and record the tape as much as possible and we try and use you know vintage things um you know it's funny they have so many ways to make things sound vintage and old but it just doesn't sound like the real thing right and that's like that's why you still have guys paying like top dollar to get old stuff it just has a different feel and 
I'm not a gearhead. I couldn't tell you why. Right. But I do notice the difference. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's really neat. Every studio we go to has, you know, everybody's got their own, you know, special equipment. And, uh, yeah, but we always do try to use, you know, old, authentic stuff. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see um, the Sound City documentary by Dave Grohl yet? Still haven't seen it. Oh, uh, you got to check that out. I think you'll really, you'll really dig it because I think it's totally like in your wheelhouse of, <laughs> of your kind of music and the kind of people, you know, you probably like uh, working with and stuff. But it, it, it goes into a lot of that. Just, uh, and I think it's good from the, cause I'm not, a, I don't have any music skills or ability or anything. So for me, it, it, kind of um yeah like i totally got it just watching it but i you know i don't understand how any of it works either but watch watching it's like okay that's that's really cool you know it's uh sound city's not very far from uh a lot of us still live in the in the san fernando valley we uh that's where our band started i'm there right now i really you know i've been here my whole life but sound city's like two miles from where i'm at right now oh really <laughs> kind of embarrassed because i see all the you know i'll watch any documentary on music and uh i still haven't seen that one we just we were gone when it came out and yeah we'll, we'll be gone when it comes out on dvd and i'll just need to you know i really need to see it though yeah i think you'll really really enjoy it um so you started with the skulls how old were you oh man um well I was in high school. It just let's see. I think I was 16 when we started rehearsing, and then wow. like 17, 18 when we really started recording and touring and stuff. So that was kind of my high school, you know. <laughs> I was, you know, struggling in class, but I was excelling music-wise. I was having a blast. Yeah. So see, that's kind of what's really most interesting to me about you. I think is just that this has been your life. It's not like, you know, you had quote a normal life, you know, and nine to five job and stuff. And then at some point you caught a break. I mean, you, you grew up doing rock and roll, you know? So what is that it's, like for you? I mean, it sounds, it sounds cooler the way you put it for <laughs> sure. But no, it, it's been, I mean, it's the, it's just kind of the only way I can do it. And the only way I want to, I mean, um, I have respect for, you know, everything everybody else does to get by. But, uh, I just, at this point, it's too late in the game to just go, okay, 180, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> let's, let's do normal things. I just, this is, you know, this is my normal. Um, I can't be home for more than a month without like scratching my eyes out, <laughs> anxious to go on tour again. So, yeah, so you're not going to hang it up and become an accountant or something like that. <laughs> soon. <laughs> You know, it's funny, like those thoughts, they, they cross your mind like this. What is that like? I wonder what that's like, but I just, I couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because it's opposite for you. It's like, that's kind of a mystery. Like, I wonder what that would be like. <laughs> you can hop in the van anytime. You know? <laughs> There's always at least an extra, you know, one extra seat. You could yeah. <laughs> I might have to take you up on that someday. Sure. <laughs> So you guys founded Prima Donna in was it two thousand three? Well, uh, two thousand four is like when we officially started playing shows. Um, okay, I've on and off throughout my 
you know, basically my whole life I've been jamming with David, our drummer. Um, we've been friends since, you know, we were in diapers. So he, just somewhere along the line, I started playing guitar and he decided he was going to play the drums. And uh, so just throughout our whole lives, we've always, like, tried to do different bands here and there. And um, one summer we just really got, you know, we're like, let's just play Sonic's covers. Let's do, let's, you know, we were in his garage and we're like, let's play garage music. Let's play, you know, like all these things that we listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, like 2003, we were just that whole summer in his garage. And then about a year later, we're like, well, let's, let's, you know, let's really do it. Let's play some shows. And, and at the time I was still really busy with the skulls. We had, you know, we went to Europe and, put out another record and then there was there was some time in between that and then we started doing prima donna shows in 2004 and uh we yeah we haven't really looked back yeah and one thing you know about your guys's music is like you know some bands like the singer really stands out some bands you know all you hear is the guitar and it seems like each person in your band like they all have their moments and kind of each element sort of has its space to really, you know, add to the music. Was that like a conscious thing or is that just sort of how the music like evolved as you you were creating it? I'm really glad you picked up on that. No, yeah, it was definitely a, a thought. I played uh, with Aaron, our saxophone player. And actually, that's something that I don't really talk about enough. But the goal of the band was to have saxophone featured in the band and that was totally a sonic thing it was totally a hanoi rock thing uh, you know it was just like saxophone used to be such a big thing in rock and roll music right right and so when we started doing this band like i was it, it was it was me david and aaron i definitely wanted aaron to play saxophone in the band so uh yeah it was always like we we, we had so many elements i mean we were all getting you know getting kind of good at our instruments and we're like, well, well, we'll just have all sorts of things. You know, Dave will be able to go nuts on the drums. <laughs> you know, I wanted to play lead guitar and be lead singer just, you know, because. Yeah. And so I did a lot of that and Aaron, uh, and then Aaron, I don't know at what point I, I know that we wanted him to play saxophone, but then we were also listening to tons of Jerry Lee Lewis and Hughes <laughs> and, you know, just having piano in there. It was just all, but yeah, it did. It was just like a big storm, you know, of, of influence. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the sax and keyboards really add like that timeless element where people can't really place it because it is sort of a throwback, but it's like sort of vintage rock and roll, but then you have like this really modern sound. So I think that's kind of like what throws you off when you're listening to it. It just, um, sort of exists like in its own space you know oh, that's, that's cool. and i've always been a big fan of of you know the sax and, and keyboards like you know i was a huge in excess fan growing up and you, oh, know, awesome. you know they they were all about that too so i think that when i first started listening to you guys i had that reaction like oh yeah these are these guys kind of um you're like cousins of in excess or something i mean you're a totally different genre but you you sort of um have that same thing where all the different elements kind of have have their moments, you know, and, and 
and even kind of their own like little riffs and hooks and stuff. So I just think it's really cool that you guys, you know, put your sound together in that in that way. Oh, thanks. That's that's really interesting. Uh, we love NXS. That's a really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played Kick. Like when I was in junior high, it was like NXS is Kick, and then the Beastie Boys license to Ill. Man, I played those two tapes oh, till like they're cool. worn out. So <laughs> I was big fans yeah. of both of them. So what is your, I mean, is your relationship with your band members pretty much like your family? Yeah, there's not a lot of time for anything else. It's funny. Uh, we not, you know, it's not even on purpose, but we're just together all the time. Yeah. And then even when we're not playing, we're like, well, let's all go to this. Let's all go to that. It's just kind of, <laughs> just how it works. And that's the only way we can get things done. There's just, uh. Even you know when we're not on tour, there's just there's daily things that have to happen to keep everything running. So, right, right. You know, I was just before I got on the phone with you, I was just at David's house doing things. You know, <laughs> it's just just daily. You know, we were together all weekend playing shows, and you know we'll be together tomorrow rehearsing. And Fourth of July, I'm sure we'll be barbecuing or doing. Things, you know, <laughs> yeah. Now, being in L.A. And, and playing so many shows in L.A., um, I used to live in L.A. like years ago, and L.A. audiences kind of have a bad rap as being um, maybe difficult to excite. Because I think being in, in the entertainment capital of the world, it's like the bar is set so high to get people out of their seats and you know really into a show. Do you see any of that or have any feelings about that or is your shows just so different where you've got like a different kind of group turning out for your concerts well it's funny uh definitely when we started there was yeah it's i mean the, the stereotype i mean and it is it is true you know at certain venues certain shows people just cross their arms but yeah. we're, we're long past that i think <laughs> we just you know i grew up listening to the Stooges and watching Iggy Pop and his, you know, just his whole philosophy about getting out there. He just demanded <laughs> something of his audience, you yeah. know? And, uh, I mean, I think that immediately we went out swinging cause we, it, it, it is very true. You get out there and, uh, there's a show every night here. There's multiple shows every right. night and they're all, you know, legends or just great bands. There's a lot of great music in Los Angeles. Yeah, definitely. And so we, we did go through a period of that, sure. And when we came out, there weren't other bands to play with. We were getting booked with a lot of, uh, you know, like hardcore. We have a punk influence, so they just put us with like street punk bands. Mm -hmm. And the bands that would put us on the shows loved us and their fans sometimes didn't. So we just had to go out there and, <laughs> you know, just go nuts. But be ready for some bottles. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Sometimes <laughs> there were things like that, you know, and sometimes there still are if you're if you're paired with the wrong bands and people just don't get it. Yeah. But uh, you just now we're we're kind of past the point where we deal with that. Our crowd found us, and now right. you know the shows are insane. Yeah. You know, we get people doing all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys are like a band made to play live for sure. Thanks. Yeah, that was the idea. I, I can't stress that enough. Like, we just wanted to play shows, you know. That wasn't even a thought. Like, oh, we'll make we'll make awesome records, you know. We're just like we'll get to see the world through rock and roll. Yeah, that'll be cool. 
Yeah. So, you know, like when I was growing up, traveling was out of the country was like this super rare thing. And, you know, now it's really not so much. But being in this band, you get to tour and go to different countries and stuff. Like, how has that experience been for you guys? Oh, it's been awesome. Uh, we just in the past 18 months, we've been to Europe four times. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it, it doesn't get old. It yeah. never gets old. It's, it's a new adventure every time. Um, it, it's, it's bizarre. It, you know, every city's different. Every country's different. You know, every club is different. I, uh, I wouldn't have imagined that. Yeah. Because when I say see the world, like, we, of course, you know, we wanted to go to different countries, but it was just more like, let's just get out of Los Angeles. Right. Because you know? a lot of bands, what happens here, a lot of bands, all the major labels are still here. Right. And a lot of the, you know, great big time managers, everything's here, right? And people get really content with just being the stars of Los Angeles. And it happens. You know, right. there are bands that are just, you know, homegrown and get huge here and just stay here right and i think we were just determined to not let that happen to us um i know there are worse things than you know having an audience <laughs> in your city right i'm not saying that that's not cool but it is it, there's a lot of bands that just get burned out because they they just play here all the time right right but yeah but europe that wasn't even you know i had been to europe with the skulls and that was a plan like we could eventually get out of here but we I think in 2005, you know, we had only played probably 30 shows at this time. And then we're like, okay, we got an offer to go to Europe with Texas Ferry. And then from then on, it was like, yeah, let's just take this as far as, as it can go. You know, and then this year we'll go to, at some point, we'll go to Mexico and play some shows. And hopefully further in South America, that's the plan. And we'll go to do some more in Canada. And uh, we've been to Asia. We're going to try and get back back there at some point. So is, is there a particular country or city that you didn't really think much of and you got there and it really surprised you and you really like loved it? Well, I didn't know what to think about, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. We went to the Czech Republic uh-huh. this time uh, on this last European tour and had a, and had a ball. Um Hong Kong, like I, I had no idea what to think about Hong Kong <laughs> for rock and roll. Yeah, I had no idea, but we went there, and um, you know, I, I guess at least in the United States, every time we see American bands go to Japan, you think that's like that's rock and roll jackpot. You know, that's <laughs> when you really have a wild time, and and the crowd just goes berserk. But it's ten times that in Hong Kong. Oh, really? Oh man, yeah. I think if more bands went there, you'd, you'd see more of that. But um, it's they—they they just really live and breathe rock and roll. Interesting. I didn't and know that. So, and Korea for that matter. I think Seoul, Korea, was you know almost the same thing. Yeah. So. Now, um, you have a record coming out on an Italian label. Yeah, we were. We did, uh, we did a session in Milan last time we were there, which was, God, just a couple of weeks ago, actually. Or maybe a month. I'm losing track of time, but, <laughs> uh, we were just in Milan and we did 
two songs for this label, Rocket Man Records, and uh, I just really liked the things that were coming out of that studio. And we had a day off, and everything worked out. So that'll be out just in time for the Ant Tour, and uh, it's just going to be on vinyl. Oh, cool. Seven Inch, two songs. And uh, oh yeah, so that'll be out in like three weeks, two and a half, three weeks, then, huh? I think so. Yeah, it's, it, the guy is going to press it tomorrow. He's going to give me a call from the uh, from the pressing plant because we're trying to get some colored vinyl, but you know we're on different times. You know, time uh, we're in two different time zones, so coordinating everything is difficult. So we're just going to talk on the phone when he's at the pressing plant and decide the colors and all that. So is that something people are going to be able to buy like at your merch table at the shows or, or just buy it online? Oh, yeah. We'll have it at the merch tables uh, in the U.S. and then everywhere else you can order it straight from their website. Or is there any chance you might cover an Adam Ant song while you're on tour with them? Yeah, and you know, it's funny. We, uh, we've done Beat My Guest in the past. And then uh, we had, we've always had this plan to do Fall In. And we just we wanted to do it so bad and then we were just about to do it you know no joke we're like okay the next tour we go on because we try and have like you know just one cover every tour we try and have a new cover just for fun right for for encores just for whatever and it was going to be fall in and then i got the call that we were going to go tour with him we're like okay I, well we can't do it now you know but uh but the last uh one of the last tours we were on we were doing beat my guest and that was a blast. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of his songs are fun. Yeah. So did Adam Ant have any, like, fashion influence on you, like, in terms of, you know, what you wear? I mean, obviously, you are you don't put on a costume just to go on stage. I mean, you're kind of, <laughs> you're just like a rock guy. Um, did he have any kind of fashion influence on you? And, and what kind of influence do you think fashion has on music? Well... It's tough to say because I know there's different, you know, there's different thoughts on that. You know, some people get really put off by a band that gets up there wearing a lot of stuff, you know. Some people yeah. like their music, you know, just in blue jeans and a t-shirt and that's fine too, you know. But for me, it was always, you know, the, the whole showbiz side was so fascinating. Like beyond the music, I really like somebody that just, you know, you want to stare at. Yeah, I mean it's kind of an expression of creativity, right? I mean, yeah, and uh, it's just you know the whole package. I I really get off on that. And Adam, for me, I mean, you can dig and find pictures of me really trying to look like Adam <laughs> when I was younger. But I think more than anything, it just made me want to do more than just you know leather jacket or denim jacket, right? With some stuff on it, you know. For me, I really just wanted to be bizarre and yeah you know he made that okay i mean i guess people you know young kids they have different it, it, it's weird because pop music now is so out there yeah but adam man I, he really did it for me cool absolutely so you know you guys have your new album out and i was wondering like after you finish an album like that what's sort of your process for thinking about the next album or you know do you start jotting down lyrics as things occur to you like kind of how, how does the next album even get started even you know like in kind of a vague sense well yeah i guess 
vague would be the the word because uh we don't really have you know a process usually it, the the songs will just kind of trickle in mm-hmm. and, you know right now I've got a bunch of songs that we kind of jam around with and then going into doing a record we usually have about half of it okay you know but then once once you do realize like okay we're going to go into the studio the time's booked then the idea is just you know working under pressure works for at least a couple of songs you know? <laughs> yeah like it, yeah, at least you know it'll breed about six more songs usually so yeah, I'd say, you know, over the time, we'll just have a couple songs kicking around, then we'll realize, like, okay, we should get in the studio, and then once the time is booked, we really just start cranking them out. Cool. But cool. we're always writing. Um, there's usually a lot of songs that we just don't feel like recording, too, so. Yeah. You know, things that are just really fun to play loud in the rehearsal room to warm up to, and then sometimes we don't even record those, so. Yeah. The last question I wanted to ask you is just about your fan base. And it seems like, um, your, a lot of your f- core fans, it's like you're their favorite band. And also sort of in the music world we're in now, it's not like it used to be where, um, artists really had time to stand out and have time to cultivate an audience. Now everything's very, um, you know, everything's Twitter and there's no albums anymore. People release one song here, one song there. And it seems like the younger generation, they just kind of, um, they're more into a specific song than learning who an artist is and following them and going and finding their, their live shows and stuff. So I was wondering how you've been successful kind of getting an audience to find you and stick with you and turn out to your shows and, you know, collect your albums and, you know, your cool vinyl and things like that. I think the reason that our fans are, you know, are so into us is like they know we're for real. And, uh, like you made a lot of good points there. And we're not just an internet thing. Right. You know, they can go see us and we're constantly playing live. And, uh, and when they come see us, they're part of the show. We don't just get up there, stand there, get through the songs, run back to the hotel, you know. Right. Um, so I, I do think that's, that's why our fans are so dedicated. And uh I can't say enough how how much we appreciate it. Um the fans, you know, they're so they're just so they go nuts for us and we go nuts for them too. It's a you know, it's a two way street. Cool. Cool. Well well thanks for taking the time to talk to me and uh maybe I'll see you in San Diego. If not, I'll see you in San Francisco or Napa or some yeah. somewhere along the way, but I'll definitely be catching at least one of one of your guys' shows uh with the Adamant tour. Oh, you so. have to. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate talking to you, man. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, uh have a good week and uh good luck, pre- you know, with your rehearsals and all that, and hopefully I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our programme, Rock Talk. For the latest gig archives, articles and features about popular music and concert events around the world, please visit us online at www.rocksubculture.com.
have a guy here. Um, you can't even say Moosebusters. 